I remember one of the most impacting times in my life was uh, when I was in Israel one time. And I can remember going uh, to the garden tomb. Maybe some of you have been there. Whether or not that's the place or not is really not that important. But there is an empty tomb there, by the way. And it's a wonderful place, really. Uh, now they've expanded it some and, 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 and the gardens and so forth. So more than just a few people can go in. And you can walk into one area and you can look at what was probably the area at least, if not where uh, there would be been Golgotha. And the picture of the, of, of, of the Golgotha and the skulls and the face and all of it that was actually spotted from the house of Horatio Spafford, if, if you know that, 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 that uh, story uh, by General Gordon. And uh, it's a great story. But one, one time we were there, and I can remember there was a, a, a lot of visitors there. And, but there were from so many different nations. Uh, there was large groups from Nigeria that had actually got permission, as I understand it. I had spoken to them from the government and a stipend to actually come over and visit. They were Nigerian Christians. So it was really amazing what happened at that point. And that was just a unique situation. And then there were, there were uh, different missionaries, uh, different, excuse me, different uh, people all over. Of course, we were there. I, I would imagine there were at least a dozen different nationalities and large groups of a do dozen nationalities. And we were going to go over in a corner and have our own little time together in prayer and just study. And I can remember stopping for just a moment and hearing the singing that was going on. And they were all singing about Jesus. And I, I could tell, you know, of course I didn't know all the languages, but a lot of them were singing in English, but they were, they were singing the songs. And if I didn't know the language, I knew the song. And, and they were singing about the Lord. And it was a glorious time because I thought, this is how it's going to be. Where here we are in Jerusalem, and I'm hearing all these voices of all these different nations. And they're singing about one name. Jesus. Jesus. And that's how it's going to be. And I thought of this verse. This is not my text. Very familiar verse. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. I guess this means a lot to me because... I remember being on a, a, a dark road heading home from a church where I had not gone down to the altar like I should have. And the Lord, and I was singing, oh, how I love Jesus because I had been raised. And then I, it's like the Holy Spirit, God came to my heart and, and whispered to my heart, you know all about me, but you don't know me. And I remember pulling my car off to the side of the road and there in a Toyota, I called on the name of Jesus and he saved me in a Toyota. Can you believe it? And I got saved right there on the side of the road. And then the next day I went into the, to work and they were playing gospel music in a factory at work. And you know what they were playing? Jesus Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. And I can remember sitting there trying to work and tears running down my face because the name of Jesus meant so much. 
And, and for the first time, uh, it was raised up in my heart and it was exalted. And at the name of Jesus, there's coming a day that every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God the Father. And that's, that's what we're looking forward to that day. But now we're here and we know we have the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is that we would take that name forth throughout all the, the nations of the world and make his name known. This is actually the cause. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read you a scripture. We'll have a word of prayer. And then we're going to just look at, at just this thing that the Apostle Paul called, I believe, the cause. In, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us at all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. And this is the key, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, one. I want to speak for just a, a little bit on the term one or the word one, the unity that's found in Christ and specifically the oneness that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the history of the church, uh, there has been a, a lack of reaching all people for the, for the, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is our goal, to go forth to all nations. But in particular, reaching the Gentiles and the Jews together in the body of Christ and that they be one. But the Bible is saying here that there's a, been a, there's a dispensation of the fullness of time coming where he will gather together in one all things, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. And so we understand that this is the cause. And the Apostle Paul said, this is the cause. So let's look in the scripture and see how important it is. You know, the, the saving of souls is so important. The reaching of, of souls that they do not perish is so important. And we should have such a burden to see souls. Christ is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But even that is not ultimately the, the end of things. The end of thing is that when God brings together one and Jesus Christ is exalted the way that he is due to be exalted by this world, that's the end result of the whole thing, right? And so it is wonderful to be a part of this great commission and going forward because we are, are, are going toward this oneness that we'll rejoice in one day in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why it's important for the church to reach all people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the Gentile nations and the Jews together as one. Let's pray. Father, we pray now you'll speak to our hearts in these next moments. Lord, give us a greater vision of this cause that we're a part of, Lord. I pray, God, if there's those here today that are still making decisions, how that you would have them to serve 
that, Lord, they'll see this is something to give their life for. As the missionary spoke earlier, this is something to surrender to now, this wonderful cause to give our life, to give our hours, to give our days for this great cause. And I pray that you'll help us to see, uh, Father God, that you'll be bringing together in our midst one to worship the one name that's above every name, the name Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. It is the role of the church that God uses the church to bring together in evangelism people from all over the world into a oneness in Christ. It is God's plan. And the context here of bringing together as one is the context of the nations, of the Gentiles, and the Jewish people together as one. It is not just uh, a good idea or just a plan uh, that is desirable. It's imperative that we understand that what God wants is a oneness on this earth. What God is desiring is that Jews and Gentiles be together in the local church, together as one. It's imperative. Uh, and so there's several reasons why it's imperative. And I think it's uh, here in the scriptures in Ephesians. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 11. Now, as you turn there, let me, uh, let me just say that the reason why we're not one is because Satan has divided this world, right? And, uh, and he continues to bring division. He divided uh, when he came to the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. And then there was a division and the men crept, uh, continued to divide. And we divide. And even today, the problem in our nation, uh, many times because of sin, is division uh, uh, is there. But there is coming a time when God is bringing together, uh, once again, those as one in Christ. But there was a division that was actually made by God himself. When he wanted to bring back together with the great plan of salvation, mankind as one, he had to make a division. And we read about this in chapter 1 and 2 and verse number 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hand. This was a God thing. God had called out the nation of Israel God called him out and of course we know Abraham and the sign of their separation of their calling and their separation to God, a sign of the covenant that God made them was circumcision. And there was the circumcision and the uncircumcision. There were the Gentile nations and the Jewish people and that was made by hand. And look at the result in verse 12. That at that time ye were without Christ. Now remember, this is the Jewish apostle. And he's speaking to the Gentiles here. And he's saying, you Gentiles, at that time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenant of promise. Having no hope and without God in this world. We need to reach both the Jew and the Gentile together with the gospel because of this past enmity, because of this past division. It, it's described here that there was this division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and the Lord is saying here that the Gentiles at this time were without hope because they were divided from the Jewish people. God had called the Jewish people, the Hebrew nation out, given them a divine mission. And their divine mission was to be a light to the Gentiles. 
God gave them this. We read this in Isaiah. We read this in Deuteronomy, that how God called them out and separated them. Well, Israel gladly accepted this calling. And, and, they, and they gladly accepted the divine blessings that came with this calling. It set them free. And it made them a people of God. Uh, they were often, uh, this divine mission to the Gentiles, uh, often, however, they failed in. And, uh, and as they would go through, many times they would get involved in idolatry and things that were not pleasing to God. They accepted the divine blessings of the Lord many times, but they then would get separated from the divine mission. And I think that's a warning to us today also. That we do not accept the blessings from God aside from the divine mission that God has given us. God has blessed us for a reason, amen? God has blessed us and given us the things. God has given us our life. He has chosen us so that we might go forth and bear this message. I was thinking the other day about Moses himself and how that even as a babe uh, that he was sustained by uh, God and that by faith his mother took and, and fashioned uh, a, an ark to the saving of Moses and put him in and put him in, of course, the bulrushes. And we know that by the divine mission of God, God sustained this uh, little child so that one day he could be a deliverer. He could meet God, the I am, at the burning bush and then return into Israel, uh, excuse, into Egypt to, the, uh, to bring them out of bondage and then on into the promised land. And we know this was divinely and a providential acting of God. But you know what? We can say the same thing about our life, can't we? That God has divinely uh, sustained us, that God has brought us to this point, that God has called us in order to bring us to this point, to be uh, that, uh, uh, that person that would uh, bring the gospel to a lost and dying world. So Israel gladly accepted this, and we need to also gladly accept this. But many times when we get our view off of the divine mission that God has called us for, we often build up walls around us, and that's what the Jewish people did. And they would bring, even the enmity that God had separated them with the ordinances and such, there was more division than even God had intended for them because by the time you get especially to the New Testament, there are things about the Jewish nation that is almost a disdain to the uh, uh, Gentile nations around the world. And really that was not intended by God. Uh, God wanted them to have compassion on the Gentile nations, to have a light to them. So there was a point we even read in the New Testament where uh, that Paul uh, was accused of bringing in Gentiles into the forbidden place to the point they wanted to kill him. And then there, of course, we understand uh, that, that the Jewish people many times, even today uh, and, and through the history, when they would leave the land of Israel and they would come back, they would shake the dust of the Gentile nations off of them because of not having the, the compassion many times for it because they had lost the vision of why God had called them out. God had called them out so that they would be this light. But there's this enmity, a division, and because of this division, it's so important that the church 
Go to both the Jew and the Gentile because God has taken care of this. Look at the present reality. That was the, that was the past division. The present reality, look at verse 13. But now in Christ, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So he's saying, Gentiles, now in Christ, you have been made nigh. The Lord has to, uh, torn down this middle wall of petition. In verse number 14, for he is, he is our peace who has made us both one. Now when he says both, he's talking about Jew and Gentile there. Both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh in enmity, this division, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make it himself of twain one new man, so making peace, so that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity uh, thereof. So this is it. Reconciliation between the Jew and the Gentile together. God has brought them together in Christ because Christ has abolished this in his flesh uh, by the uh, death of the cross and him dying on the cross. He's broken down that middle wall partition between the Jew and the Gentile both horizontally and then, of course, as they're made right with God vertically because uh, they, they have, have been made one with God and they're made one with each other. Not a division, but a present unity. And it's wonderful and it's so glorifying to God. And the name of Jesus is glorified. And that is why that reaching the Gentiles for the Jewish Apostle Paul was so important to him. Because he knew that this opening up uh, to the Jewish church for the Gentiles was going to be a wonderful thing to bring great glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, how does this work uh, today with the Jew and the Gentile? And how does it bring glory to the Lord? Whenever you see Jew and Gentile together in the body of Christ, it brings great glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in South Africa and we planted a church there. We, one Wednesday night we were uh, having church and there was a, a group and uh, there were Jews and Gentiles there. There were several different nations uh, in the church. And the Jews, uh, uh, we would have testimony time. And I can remember saying, okay, who has a testimony? And one of the Jewish uh, people stood up and they said, I'd like to testify. I was witnessing the other day to the rabbi and sharing him the, the scriptures. I'm like, wow, that's great. You know, and I, as a Gentile, I thought that's pretty good. Amen. And, and she said, yeah, it was really great. And she gave her little story. And then a Gentile stood up and said, oh, I was over downtown and I was able to share Christ with this person. And it was just a sweet time. Then all of a sudden. One of the Jewish people stood up and said, I'd like to say something, Pastor. And I said, what? I said, yes, I'd like to say that before I came to this church, and this is a Jewish person, I didn't like you Gentiles. And then all of a sudden, a Gentile stood up and said, well, we didn't like you either. And I thought, oh, no, we're in trouble. Church split right here. And then I can remember right in the breath as I'm standing there wondering what to say next. I thought about getting Ephesians out and begin preaching. But I, I said, uh, right at that point, the Jewish person on this side started weeping. She said, but we love you Gentiles now. And the Gentiles said, we love you too. And, and together, uh, it was such, it was an amazing thing. It, it was absolutely something I've never experienced before because to see this bonding of Jew and Gentile in the body of Christ. And it's because of the enmity that was between us that God has broken down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the death on the cross. And it makes it particularly wonderful. It's been abolished in Christ. And that's the present reality. 
Uh, and the present reality is this, that he is, uh, in verse number 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to explain not only was there a past enmity and a present reality, but there's actually a future entity that is going on here. Now, it's future in the sense of the Apostle Paul. And look what he says uh, in verse number 19. The Bible says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. So he's talking to the Gentiles. And he's saying, So you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers. Isn't that wonderful? And not only of that, but you're fellow citizens with the saints, with the, with the Jewish uh, Christians and of the household of God. And together you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And then he goes on to say about the Jews and Gentiles, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So what is he saying? He's saying now this body comprised of Jews and Gentiles together, their fellow citizens in Ephesians chapter 4, if you'll look over on the page there, it, it describes what this looks like. Look, look in verse number 4. For there is one body, there is one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There is one Lord. You know, the, the Jewish people today will, will say that Jesus is the Gentile God and that, that they serve the God of Israel. But there's only one Lord. There's only one God. There's uh, one faith. There's one hope. There's one destination. There's one family. And that's the family of God, one household of faith, growing together in the church, one body, living stones, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone together. That's why it's so important that, as, as that the local church be involved in reaching both the Jews and the Gentiles with the gospel. Because there's not two gospels. There's not two churches. There's one body. And they come together and worship together in, in, uh, in, the, in the church as one. So this, this past enmity and present reality and this future entity of the church is why it's so important that the Jews be not left out of the Great Commission and that the Gentile nations be reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ together so he can bring together as one. You say, why is this particularly important with the Jewish people? I want to go on in chapter 3, if you would, please. The Bible says, uh, and he starts naming for this cause. But I want you to uh, uh, look at verse number 4. The, which in other ages, this is what we're describing here, this mystery, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And what is this mystery? What is this thing that was hid in Christ? Look at verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. So here's Paul and he's saying this is a Jewish church but it's not going to stay a Jewish church. The mystery of the body of Christ is that the Gentiles are going to come in and together we are going to be one. And can you imagine what the Jewish people first thought when they heard this and that's why they had to, count, had to have councils and all because it was so strange to her hearing that there would be a oneness between the Gentiles and the Jewish people 
And he's saying here that this is the mystery. It really wasn't really, uh, the mystery was not to Gentiles in the church or to Jews in the church. That's wonderful and certainly it's great. But really the mystery is that there would even just be one Gentile and one Jew in this thing called one. That was the mystery of the church. And, and so the Bible goes uh, uh, on to say that it was unknown in the Old Testament. It was a brand new entity. And Paul was made a minister of this. Look at verse uh, number 7. He said, Whereof I, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. So he's saying, I was made a minister because this Jew, that the Apostle Paul, uh, was to, to take the gospel to the Gentiles through the, uh, then the mainly Jewish church. So he felt like God had made him a minister of this oneness. A minister as a Jew, bringing Gentiles into the body of Christ. How wonderful is that? And he counted it a great thing. He gloried in it. He, he not only gloried in it, but he suffered for it. The fact that he would go to the Gentiles, uh, he suffered greatly for that. But he was willing to do that because he saw the importance of having the Gentile in the body of Christ together with the Jewish people. And this task of ensuring that the gospel is now given to the Jews through the mainly Gentile church will also cost. There will be a cost to it. Because I'll, I'll tell you that anti-Semitism is present in the church. Anti-Semitism is all throughout the church many times. I, I doubt very seriously this church here because I don't see it, but you never know. There might be someone sitting here that has a little something against the Jewish people. How sad is that? But, uh, but in churches, and I travel around and often find in the people that, that, that actually uh, call in the name of Christ because of maybe the media and everything else that, that downplays and they're against the nation of Israel. Always have been, always will be, let me tell you. But, uh, and they're not perfect. No one's saying that. But they're saying that, but in our hearts, there not, should not be the presence of that. And, uh, and, and yet in the church, the Apostle Paul is saying, I, I am going to bring in, by the grace of God, the ministry that has been given me. I'm going to bring in the Gentiles uh, to the church. By the grace of God, they'll be saved. Uh, and it will cost. But I want to uh, say the inclusion of the Jews and Gentiles together in the church is actually an indication of something much more greater. And this is why I started with Philippians chapter 2. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Look, look at verse number 10. And well, let's go back first in verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. I love that, that phrase, the fellowship of the mystery, right? And how wonderful that is. And the fellowship of the mystery is that Israel and the Gentiles would be brought together as one in the body of Christ, the fellowship of the mystery. And, it's, and, and he says this, to the intent, in verse number 10, that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known, how? By the church. What is he talking about here? By the church, the Jew and the Gentile together. This is the context. The manifold wisdom of God. Isn't that amazing? That God's name 
his name, the I am, his name, the Lord Jesus Christ would be lifted up uh, in the church through this very act of bringing in the Gentiles to a Jewish church that God would teach the heavenly host about his manifold wisdom. He would lift them up. One, one person said it like this. In the classroom of God's universe, he is the teacher. The angels are the students. The church is the illustration. And the subject is the manifold wisdom of God. And the way that he instructs his heavenly host about the manifold wisdom, the way that he exalts his very wisdom is that he says, attention students, talking about the angels and the heavenly host, attention all the heavenly hosts, I want to show you my manifold wisdom. Look at the screen here, not this screen, but, and, and he'll show the Gentile in the church and then together the Jew in the church and together as one and I can see the heavenly host fall down before God and say, oh, the manifold wisdom of God. And that's why when Apostle Paul would often speak about this, he would end with a doxology. He would end with a doxology about the wisdom of God because he was talking about this union between the Jew and the Gentile in the body of Christ. It is amazing. It's incredible. It's so important. And, and he was illustrating this. It's actually a fulfillment of God's eternal plan and purpose for the church. God is, uh, the, as we said earlier, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. And that's why he made this plan. God's plan is better than any other plan, right? And God's plan is that he would uh, begin with the Jewish nation. And then he would bring the Gentiles in. And to, together they would spread the gospel around the world to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That is God's plan. And when we do it that way, we bring more glory to the Lord. Can I hear an amen right there? Amen. <laughs> we, because it is clear in this scripture that the manifold wisdom of God is exalted by those two being in the body of Christ. And so we see this in the body of Christ. And so how important does this make the role of the church in, in evangelizing both the Jew and the Gentile? Yet the sad thing about it is that through the uh, times at first, the Jewish church ignored the Gentiles at first and they were resistant for the, them coming in. But then when they come in and now the church is primarily Gentile, around the world there's, a, a, there's many people that's ignoring and that's why the Jews are considered an unreached people group in so many countries. How sad is that? But the saddest thing about it, I mean, it's terrible that they would die and they would go to, uh, to, to a crisis eternity. Uh, a Jewish people who are part of God's chosen people would go to a crisis eternity because they have not heard the message or they weren't as brought into the body of Christ, right? That's sad enough. But let me tell you something more sad. That the glory of God is diminished because that the, uh, that the Jew and the Gentile is not being brought into the body of Christ like it should be. And so this makes it particularly important to the role of the church. 
And I know that this is exciting, but I tell you, at the end of the age, when we're in Jerusalem and all knees bow and, and, uh, and, and the Lord's name is lifted up, I'm probably going to lose it at that point, amen? <laughs> Unless a glorified body doesn't allow me to shout, okay? But I'm probably going to lose it. I'll, I'll be one of these southerners, you know how it is? You know? And I'll be saying, amen! You know? <laughs> I don't really do that, but... I'm so thankful because that is the culminating fact of why we're doing what we're doing. Why are we going to the nations? Why are you giving your life to the Lord? Why are you surrendering? Why are you leaving the, uh, things and, or, or, or even your own house to go across the street? It's for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. And it's because of his uh, glory and his name that we do these things. So if we know there's a way with God's plan to bring even more glory, how, how we should do that. Let me, let me just go up and, and end like this. So it's so important for the church to be involved in this. And it's possible for the church to be involved. It's not only necessary, but it's possible for the church to be involved. Because the Bible says that the gospel is the power of the God and the salvation. To both the Jew first and also to the Greek. Both can be saved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the DNA of our churches around the world, in mission fields all around the world, in the very DNA of the church, there should be this love for both the Jew and the Gentile fostered around the world so that we're praying and trying to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, how does that work if I'm, um, and I keep picking on the, uh, up in Iceland, okay, but that's because you're so far up there, okay? But anyway, up in Iceland, how does that work in Iceland? I don't know how many uh, Jewish people are in Iceland. There may, maybe yet none, I don't know. But let me tell you how it can work. I want you to turn to Romans, and then we're going to end here, okay? Romans, and thank you for your attention. Romans chapter 11. And the Bible says that uh, in Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul did it like this. He knew he was a, 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 the Apostle to the Gentiles. In Romans chapter 11, he says this. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an Apostle of the Gentiles. And he says, I magnify my office. I, I am so glad. Let me ask you, do you, do you magnify where, what God has called you to do? Do you do you really enjoy this? Is it wonderful? Do you just lift it up and say, thank you, God, for allowing me to do this? It's wonderful. Well, he, Apostle Paul says, I magnify my office, and this is why. If, if by any means I may provoke to emulation, that's the jealousy, them which are of my flesh and might save some of them. So this is basically what he was saying. I'm, I know that God has called me to the Gentiles. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to win as many Gentiles to the Lord as I can so that I will provoke to jealousy my own people, talking about Israel, so that we might win some of them. And that should be even in the goal of all of our ministries around the world. Uh, that as we go forth, that one of the motivating factors of surrendering to, uh, to missions around the world, one of the motivating factors of where you go will be not only to win the Gentiles for the gospel, but also to provoke God's chosen people to come to Christ. It should be in our hearts. It should be in our minds. It should be in our preaching. It should be in everything we do. It should be in our missions program. All that we do should we reflect this. Why? Because one day, every knee is going to bow. 
and every tongue is going to confess, both Jew and Gentile, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we can be a part of that right now.